Sydney with my two boys this week. We got someone back, the prodigal son. How are you, Letia? I'm good, mate. How you doing, man? Sorry I missed. Uh, we, uh, the world doesn't know this, but Mal and I were what minutes away from linking up in the Dallas Fort Worth airport. We were minutes away. No joke. We were going to yeah. have like 47 minutes in Dallas Literally. together. Yeah. And an American yeah, Airlines. I, did, I hydrated. Out. Yeah, I hydrated. I did some light stretching, all anticipation to link up with you at your terminal by the gate. You guys were coming out, and I think it was like what B seventeen or B. I don't. I don't know. Is that what it was? It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I literally plotted the distance from there to my gate, which was C two. And uh, anyways, I just uh, like I said, I did some light stretching and I hydrated in, in anticipation. It's no surprise to our listeners that your gate was going to be in the C section, right? well played sir i didn't see that one coming <laughs> sounds like the most terrible almost reunion ever like oh, I, I, I did i did light stretching for you i was hydrating for you like i'm just saying i was ready to he was ready to run i was trying i was yeah i was ready to optimize my time with the mcfadden's and then, and then literally haul ass to my gate so i can make it to my family and then a major american carrier who remained nameless american Airlines, helped us out there with a four-hour delay out of new orleans Oof. It was just, it was not a good trip home. It's not a good trip home. British Airways cancelled one on us and then American Airlines on a four hour delay. So we missed our backup connection and it turned into a 56 and a half hour transit with kids and no bag, no bags made it. Well, listen, that, that whole uh, British Airways, American Airlines um, code sharing thing shouldn't be held a secret. It's actually a nightmare for anybody who travels to across the Atlantic, when you take that connection, because I've done it a couple times for work, almost always it turns into a thing because they don't talk to each other, right? So you're booked with British Air- Airlines, um, but the, apparently American Airlines computers don't talk to them. So whenever there's a mechanical issue and they have to like move you to another aircraft, it's like you, they forced us, and I think I might've talked about this to you guys before offline, but they forced us to go outside of security after already going into security to go get our bags to recheck them in through American Airlines and not trying to boast here, but I travel business class and uh, well, American Airlines didn't know that. So guess where I was stuck for damn near, you know, 12 hours was in the back with all the common folk. And I, I wasn't happy about that. Yeah. As soon as you, as soon as you openly humbly said, I travel business class, everybody just stopped listening. We probably <laughs> lost, we probably lost our listeners already. You ass. He so. <laughs> was on his way to the gold plated. Listen, in my defense, this is a, a trip I make every couple months. All right. Sounds like so, privilege. Sounds like privilege. So the company pays for its uh, pilot group to, uh, and, you know, other people to travel business class because they're asking a lot. Well, like I just want to say that you, you start with British Airways. And the flight gets cancelled, and it turns out that it was actually cancelled a month before you traveled. They didn't email or anything. They sent emails saying these are your PCR requirements in London and so on. And then I just logged on to check the baggage allowance. Oh, by the way, your ticket was cancelled a month ago. The flight. So then the American Airlines was the backup to pick up a BA flight out of uh, Dallas and still make the same connection, get home on time. 
And then the American Airlines was a four Adelaide. So we had bags with American Airlines and British Airways tags. And we got to Dallas and actually changed us to a Qatar Airways flight. And I was like, oh, we're never going to, we're never going to see those bags again. <laughs> so we had like an overnight in Dallas in a high, high, high class uh, hotel airport, airport hotel. But anyway, whatever, we got home, no bags. <laughs> That's all good. Have you been, Mike? Sat in my place doing homework all weekend, except for today. I went out fishing in a boat with my buddy and hauled in a whopping half a pound bluegill. But I gained my sanity in that catch because I was not sitting in this place doing homework. But other than that, I'm pretty good. Raph, I hope you're excited to uh, meet up on Wednesday, I believe, in Montana. I'm not. But I'm looking forward to Montana. Oh, okay. I, I was like, oh, you quit again, just like you did last week. Oh, all right. Uh, sorry, man. Well, I'm excited to see Jimmy Boggs, Raph, obviously, whatever. But uh, yeah, so he might not even get up. there. He might not even get there, Mike. He's Charlie Parr, after all. Yeah, you know that what? Is... I'm picking up all these little flight things. It's like, oh, yeah, my people, my group, special people, you know, he's probably calling and they're going to mess with me because I am flying American. Uh, so I won't be surprised if my bags don't make it to Montana or I don't make it to Montana. So no surprise. We can strike, we can strike another couple of large businesses off our list of non-sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> Add them to the massive list. Don't well, throw I'm just assuming out. you're not, I'm just assuming you're not flying business class. So no, nah, man, I, I'm a, I'm just a common man trying to succeed. That's all. And so, so Tio, you've you've had a body trip, and you've come home, and you've met people for the first time in a long time. How's that all been going, man? Oh man, it's been it's been great. Um, it's been a hell of a, it's just been nuts. I um, I did. I I ran into a, a good mate that I hadn't seen since flight school. He's uh, and I'm, we're gonna try to get him on the show. Um, Blake, if you're listening, shout out to you. But uh, he was a former green beret before he went to flight school and then he went back to group and he ended up leading um you know obviously green beret eight teams did i can you hear me yeah okay anyways uh, yeah yeah yeah. anyways i'm just talking about an old buddy that i ran into when i was at work and i think i told you about this i haven't seen him since 2004 so it's just it's been a hell of a trip and then i went to uh missouri for not to throw my personal stuff out there, but my wife's grandmother passed away uh, not too long ago. So we had to go do a reunion there. And then uh, after that, so after I came back from overseas work, I kind of got flung into, you know, still living out of suitcase for about a week, which, which was an amazing time. It really was. I got to spend a lot of time with Aubrey's family. And then we got back to where we live out here in the Pacific Northwest. And my wife is an avid soccer player, uh, was asked to play in a tournament. So... I got to my house and then we immediately took off for her soccer tournament, which was a couple hour drive. It's still in the Pacific Northwest, but um, anyways, all that to say that tonight will be the first night uh, in probably about three months that I've actually will get to sleep in my bed and I'm really looking forward to it. Shout out to Mom Pop, by the way. Uh, Good people on that farm. High quality family, that one. Oh yeah, they're amazing. uh, It was really good to spend time. Like I said, it was good to spend time with them and 
the guy that hosts us or hosted us while we were there was um mom so it's my mother-in-law's uh brother his name is mike they have several siblings but anyways uncle mike is a former marine corps ch-53 pilot who retired i don't know the specific year i want to say early 90s um just a as a matter of fact, we did an episode and I was in his study and you guys were giving me shit for the number of books that were in the study. And then you guys all said there's no, do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. The last time you went down to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Down in the South. Yep. So that was uncle Mike's uh, office. Who's after a successful career of 20 years in the Marine Corps, he uh, became an accountant for a, for a, for a firm. And he just recently retired from that. And now he's just a dedicated, uh, teacher at a high school and a junior college oh, anyways quality. just yeah man salt of the earth i mean it was just listen to to go from overseas work to running into not running into but to be around that it just kind of reminds you why we do some of the work that we do it really does like i'm i'm not even being facetious i'm being it just it feels good it feels right it's exactly what you need after being overseas Funny, i had the experience after uh the training camp that Mike put on, by the way, Raph, you, you're never going to equal that week, by the way, just, just so you know. But after that week, we had we had the week in New Orleans with Cherry's family and we were just like chilling together. We were just chilling together and uh, helped them move house. You know, like there's nothing better than being with your brother-in-law and sister-in-law and carrying a bed into a house for the first time as they're moving in like actual family, family, family stuff. Things that you would feel a bit uncomfortable asking a mate to do. It just was great to, to do as a family all together. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So that comes probably to this week's episode. And what are we thinking of as a topic for this week, Mike? Oh, you're going to turn it off to me. All right. Yeah. I, I thought it was a group decision, but I'll, I'll spearhead it again. No worries. Resiliency. That's this week's topic. Talking about resiliency. I, talking before the show, lots of things going on in life uh, with everybody. Obviously, the last year and a half or so has been a challenge for everybody, but life goes on, regular life goes on, and there's a lot of things that everybody has overcome in every aspect of their life. A lot of people are still finding success, still finding ways to be what they want to be, who they want to be, and I think it's very important, and we think it's important, that we just talk about that, and we talk about being resilient. And what it takes to get to that point, even though they're, you're staring down adversity, maybe on a daily basis. And some days you feel like laying down and not getting back up. But I think we all have some good examples to share about what resiliency means to us and how we've kind of gotten through it, how we get through it right now. And yeah, you've already heard a couple of just Raph getting home and getting through what he had to, to get home and be with his family in Missouri and Spokane and get to sleep in his own bed. You know, talk about being grateful. I, all three of us know what it's like to be gone for six plus months and living in a not so nice place. And then you come home and you get to lay quietly and sleep in your own bed for one night. I think that's probably one of the best gifts you could ever receive. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's yeah. kind of open it up. Well, and I, I think it's important to highlight because resiliency is a broad topic, right? But we specifically talked about it because we feel like it's kind of important at this current juncture in our current envi geopolitical environment. I mean, we know that there's a lot of 
tribalism going on with politics. There's a lot going on with um, the restrictions that are being either like whether draconing in certain countries like our mate here, Mellon, uh, who actually you felt an effect of that, right? Where you guys were on lockdown right before you left. I mean, which kind of was not, I mean, you talked about it at length on one of the episodes about how, um, you know, you made the best of it, but the point is it still affected your travel plans. Sure it did. And I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people in Australia that have had the major capital cities of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and uh, even Western Australia, all have been in and out of lockdown. Sydney remains on lockdown now as they're, it's a different, it seems like a different stage of the uh, pandemic now with the Delta. And yeah. there's people probably who are like, I thought we were coming out of this thing. And was that light at the end of the tunnel or freaking train coming the other way? I think it's probably a bit of a feeling that people haven't out there in the world now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I just thought it would be, well, when we were discussing, I thought there's just so much going on in everyone's own part of the world that I think it's just, it's really, this episode is more, more of a reminder because we, we've talked about resiliency in the past. Obviously we, we cover it at great length in some episodes, um, but it's always good to basically look in the mirror or just, just sometimes it's good just to hear it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, life isn't meant to be easy and, you know, I need to do what I can to continue on. But um, yeah, it, and again, about the seriousness of everything that's happening I, in United States, for instance, I think today is when the um, moratorium, the, the eviction moratorium ends, which means people potentially can be find themselves out of homes, right? So if you're not able to pay for rent, um, the law that protected you from being evicted has now gone away. Um, and it's a political battle right now between the Dems and, and the Republicans. So I, I, I'm highlighting this not because I want to get into it, but I'm saying there's like legitimate struggles that are going to, if they're not here, they're about to be at somebody's doorstep. And I think to hear maybe the words that we're about to say regarding resiliency might be something that you need to hear. You know, maybe somebody you know is struggling through something, you know. Um, like I said, I just went to a reunion because uh, the matriarch and Aubrey's family passed away. You know, they turned into celebration, but make no mistake about it, there was pain in accepting the fact that she did pass and she was a wonderful lady. Um, I'm very grateful I got to meet her. But anyways, I just wanted, I just want to lay the foundation about why we decided to touch on resiliency, because I think people are either in pain or they're about to feel some degree of pain. Um, and some people yeah. have been feeling pain for a while. I mean, if you live in Peru, the, the statistics are very grim, right? So Peru is one of the highest mortality rates uh, due to COVID. Uh, and then that you can contrast that to like a place like Sweden, where it's relatively damn near benign. So the spectrum is wide and the, the breadth of it is wide in, across the world. So um, I just think it's important. Everyone's hell is unique to themselves. Well said, Raf. And <clears throat> the impacts, obviously, health and uh, some long-term issues for individuals, but then most families have had uh, people affected by this. And if not health directly or loss of life, certainly economic impact and a major disruption and change to the way we live our lives. And we're, and we're talking about some of the very most privileged uh, societies, you know, the successful OECD uh, countries with disposable income and the ability to have medical researchers and strong health systems and so on. And people in these countries are doing it tough. Certainly it's probably the toughest that the citizens of our countries have, have had in their, in their lifetime, I'd say in this current lifetime. And then, as you just said, you don't have to look far if you feel like 
you've got it worse than everyone else. You don't have to look far to see countries where it is far, far worse, where the economic damage and the loss of life and the impact on health has uh, really been catastrophic in some places. And regarding um, other countries, mate, being that you you are where you're at and you're surrounded by expats, have any of your South African mates brought up what's going on down in South Africa? I mean, that that in itself, I'm shocked that at least in the United States, it's not being talked about a lot more regularly. Um, it just, you know, that in itself, I mean, that's on the brink of something catastrophic for not just the economy in that, in that part of the world, but also politically. I mean, it's, um, it's being, it's being tested. I'll just leave it at that, but. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a load of, uh, South African mates out here. I know you met several of them when you used to come stay with us, Frank. And, and they're, it's quite surprising because I mean, compared to the rest of Africa, they're actually still doing pretty well and, and it's not looking good, uh, in terms of the numbers there, the economic impact and now major political upheaval. So oh, kicking off like how to deal with um, challenge and how to cultivate or acquire or develop resilience, a real major part of it for me in all of my hard times when, uh, you know, I had Annie in hospital or when Cherry was unwell or other major hard times in my life has, has been to try and get a sense of perspective has been one of my big steps of thinking that there are still people out there on your worst day, they would, they would gladly swap everything they have on their best day with you. And somehow these people are still out there with a smile on their face, you know, facing the day and embracing life. So I think a real major part of um, dealing with major trials for me has been that ability to maintain some sense of perspective and to look outside perhaps even your own culture to find a sense that there's people out there who are you know, you even in that rock bottom place are just blessed compared to them. And that's been something that's really helped me. I remember uh, talking this through with, with friends when Annie was born and just being so grateful, at least that I, you, there's always something to be grateful for still, you know, it, when Annie was born, being just grateful that I was just happened to be in Perth and Western Australia, where they would actually take on the challenge of a 23 week prem baby. Whereas the city I just moved from in South Australia, they didn't have any hospitals that would have undertaken it. So we would have just been told right at the very beginning that that was just a failed pregnancy and, you know, I hope you have better luck with the next one. And so there's, on your darkest day, there's still something to find if you're willing to look. Yeah, absolutely. And my, I guess, take on resiliency is, and it's, it's unique to myself, obviously, because everyone's got their own flavor to it. Um, mine's always been, if I really do come across something that's extremely challenging, I've always found it very helpful for myself to inflict, and I'm not trying to sound like a sadist or a masochist, um, but I like to inflict, inflict discomfort, right? I like to take, I like to dip into cold ice baths. I like to work out um, to the point where I'm uncomfortable. Um, and I started picking up uh, a couple of years ago, kind of doing I started doing intermittent fasting, but sometimes when I feel like something really requires a lot of my attention and it, it may be a lot of uh, introspection, I feel like I've felt like having multiple day fast has really helped me kind of wrap my, not just wrap my mind around it, but it, I seem to, my brain seems to function on all cylinders and I tend to find a way out, if that makes any sense, 
right? Like, so um, a very, here's a anecdotal uh, story for that. Again, it's just, it's unique to myself, but while I was overseas at work, I was feeling the pressure that I had made my wife this promise that I would leave the job that I'm at now. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it, it served its purpose, but we want to do other things. And so now the, the pressure was I need to find within the same career, I needed to find a different company. And it, as Melon can attest, it's not as easy as just walking up with your resume and going, Hey man, I'm a pilot. I can do pilot things. Like it, it just doesn't work like that. It's, it takes months and months of, I mean, literally just networking and dropping applications and following through with phone calls and emails. And so there is a level of stress as the provider for my family to be like, I need to land on my feet because I kept this promise and I would hate to go back to, you know, what I told my wife I wouldn't be doing anymore. And so what I started doing, I did it a couple of times. I did three day fasts while I was overseas. And that in itself is challenging because I was living in 115 degree heat. So you're already feeling weak. Um, it was a trial and error type thing. Trust me, it wasn't like I was super successful right off the bat. As a matter of fact, a couple of times, every time I tried to do it, I would wake up with these massive headaches and I was always feeling dehydrated. I never felt good enough. But then, you know, again, I started listening to some experts on, on that stuff. And I started realizing I was, didn't have enough salt. And I, so I was actually doing like little things that I could mitigate to help me finally achieve the ultimate goal, which was I want to do a two to three day fast. Um, so I can really concentrate and I could find the motivation to, to, to have a breakthrough and really find, uh, um, you know, the, or kind of land on my feet and, and land another opportunity. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so I did a couple days of it. And again, it was uncomfortable. Um, you know, you're hungry for three days, but there are, but in, in those three days, there was also moments of like elation. I mean, literally there was moments where I'm sitting there just jamming away in applications. My, my brain's firing on all cylinders. I'm emailing friends. I'm calling friends like, Hey man, I need a letter of resignation or letter of, uh, uh, recommendation, not resignation. I reached out to guys like, you know, Colonel Hines. I reached out to other uh, professionals that I knew in my career and they all, responded within like pretty damn good time. And I was able to get, I was able to, to meet my, my metrics and I was able to land some interviews and I was able to, to, um, you know, achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And I honestly believe that a lot of it had to do with the fact that I put myself in that state. Well, there's something really key that you're, you're touching on here, Raph, and that's the, it's got to do with the ability to exercise and develop your willpower, the ability to be able to control yourself and put yourself through those, those periods of discomfort when everything in your, your evolution wants you to be comfortable and wants you to sit on the couch and stick donuts in your head and don't expend any energy and all those things. And I, I fully agree that when you develop that, so what you're doing is you're doing something that's not related to the topic. Like fasting is not going to lead to an airline saying, hey, give us your resume and we're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars converting you onto an aircraft type. But what you are doing is putting yourself in a position where your willpower and you yourself, you know, you, the consciousness that you are, know that you can put yourself through stuff that's tough and you can get a mental sharpness and an edge in that moment that often leads into other areas so that, sense of strength and accomplishment from something that's quite challenging, but not unsafe in any way. 
leading to breakthroughs in another area and get you into action. And, and I fully agree with this. I know we've touched on this in other, in other episodes, but that's really interesting to hear that you've gone to that in this time of challenge while on deployment, while trying to live up to a commitment you've made to your spouse. And that something simple but difficult, which all, I think all things that are really worthwhile are when you, when you get down to bare bones are simple and, and difficult. Like you can tell someone, yeah, you just don't eat food for three days. Yeah. But doing it is difficult. Doing it well is difficult. It gives you that edge where you know you've just done something hard. So making a few phone calls is easy. You know, you set yourself a few other goals and you find at the end of the day, you've ticked off boxes on your list. So I reckon yeah. that's, all, that's a really great one. And, and again, I'm not trying to come off as some sort of superhero. Did I fail? A thousand percent, I failed a lot. I would walk by, I had a little cubby hole when I walked down the hallway into my room and, you know, you'd keep your snacks there, your, your um, you know, just whatever, cereal, nuts, that sort of stuff. And man, there, there were moments where, like I said, the first couple of times I attempted it, I failed. I was like, I'm going to fast for, you know, two days and, you know, 23 hours in, I'm like, man, those walnuts look really good right now, you know? So I, I'm not trying to tell you that I immediately, but it was that, like you said, I just, I knew that if I developed a sure will, every time I did feel any sort of hunger pain, it would be a constant reminder, like, oh, I have things to work on. Yeah, we, like, I think that the actual key part in that is that you didn't, you didn't get it right the first time that it actually was a task you gave yourself that was hard enough that it took a couple of times. And that, that okay. is actually developing something. Because I think a key thing about resilience is that it doesn't, like being tough does not occur. There is no organism that wants to be uncomfortable. And that this is a skill that you can develop and it is a mindset that you can cultivate. And there's a, it starts with the decision that you are tough, that you are resilient and that you are able to, to do these things. And these little challenges that you've, Set yourself, if they're so easy that you can achieve them first time, they're probably not going to do anything for you in the long run. So if it's, if it's hard enough that you don't get it right and it takes a couple of attempts, that's the thing that's going to generate the breakthrough in the other area. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I have an example that I just heard the other day, actually, because the Olympics are going on. And you want to talk about resiliency and Olympic athletes and the levels that they do. But I also have a whole nother section, uh, an example about myself. I've put together a lot of data points and some stuff about my life and resiliency. But one thing kind of going off with what Raph said is taking time and, and doing that is uh, Usain Bolt, who is a Olympic world champion, right? He literally quoted himself. He's like, you want to talk about resiliency? It took me four years of training to run nine seconds. Think about that. Four, four years of training and resiliency to run for nine seconds. Like, <laughs> very, very admirable and impressive. Um, okay, so any, anything else that, to tie onto that before I jump into this? I have a whole section of stuff that I want to cover down. and some. I, did, I just want to quickly define resilience. Sure. So resilience is the verb. Resiliency is the noun. And it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. And the second definition is the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. And we're talking about both elements, the ability to be tough and withstand something, but then also like Raph's talking about that ability to, to spring back into, you know, un, under pressure, back to being the way you want to be and not be uh, pushed down by that experience. So just consider that there's two elements of it. So recovering quickly from difficulty and springing back into shape, which is how you want to be. So go ahead then, Mike. Or Raph? Yeah, I just want to add, it's also, 
I think it's important for the listeners to know that we're we're talking about this to encourage everybody who feels like they need it, and I'm I'm sure most people do, um, to just make an attempt to be to to achieve that next goal, right? So I'm not trying to take away from Usain Bolt, and I'm not trying to take away from like guys like Cameron Haynes or David Goggins. I mean, those guys are straight savages in what they do, but sometimes it's kind of it's easier to dismiss when you're a normal person like us and you're like, well, of course, David Goggins ran a thousand miles. He's David Goggins. Like, does that make sense? I, I, I think it's important that we denote the fact that this ability relies on everybody. And I'm just here to tell you, you're going to fail, but that's the key though. Just keep going. Like I'm telling you, I would walk by that stupid jar of nuts and I've eventually just had to throw it away. Go ahead, Melon. I mean, Raph's not, the aim here is not the ability to not eat a chocolate or a nut. It, it, resilience could be the mum every day cooking three meals for her family and her kids. It, it could be the father getting in the car in the morning and going to work when he's beat down and doesn't want to do it. Or it could be the couple working through a challenge in their marriage. There's a thousand aspects where this is going to be able to be applied in a day-to-day life. And it doesn't have to be an Olympic victory and it doesn't have to be fasting. It, it's just the ability to deal with the challenge in your day and to retain your sense of self and be you and get on and, and uh, address those challenges. Go ahead, Mike. No, you're absolutely right. And I really like the point about being a mother and having that responsibility or, or, or being a single father, you know, or just anything. I mean, it's on both aspects. I, I know we always give parenting in that side to women in a sense, but it's just like they're single fathers that are out there that are under extreme stress and pressure, you know, that maybe a woman wouldn't, you know, necessarily get and then vice versa, you know, everybody's different. So I really like that point. Uh, What I'm going to go to next, Mike's going to get a little, uh, Mike's getting a little personal. I'm going to get a little amped up about some things, but resiliency, I think has literally defined my life and I embrace it and I'm very thankful for it. So I wrote down some things, uh, some little data points that I'd like to share with everybody. Uh, And I'm not ashamed to say it. I've been very badly physically beaten, mentally broken and emotionally gutted in the 33 years that I've been on this earth. And yes, I know I'm a young man to some of the older people out there, but sometimes I feel like I'm much, much older. Physically, uh, just talking about military service, uh, I've had 90 months of pre-deployment workup, 9-0, 90 months of grind on my body getting ready for a workup. I've spent two and a half over two and a half years overseas deployed into some of the worst places ever with extreme heat, extreme cold um, and very, very adverse conditions. My body's been through it. My back is messed up, my shoulder. Uh, obviously, I'm freaking losing my hair due to some stress. Uh, and then other things, you know, <laughs> I know when you turn 30s, things starts cracking that usually don't, but I think I have a few extra. Mentally, uh, obviously, I've shared about episode one with compartmentalizing. I've had a breakdown, probably some PTSD in there, dealing with death of teammates and family. Um, and then trying to realize what my purpose was on a daily basis at some points after almost, um, you know, almost dying multiple times. And then emotionally, um, relationships have not been good for me, uh, going through, you know, finishing up a divorce, going through that. And then also, uh, someone else 
um, you know, treating me like I was a nobody, a second place and just completely gutted me, uh, which has been a year, year and a half of my life of just struggle and pain. Um, I think I have every right to sit on my ass and point the finger at every single one of these things and why I can be comfortable of sitting back and doing nothing with my life because I have an excuse. Everything, every one of those I can look at as an excuse, 90 months, two and a half years, breakdowns, compartmentalizing, relationship issues, whatever. I can literally point at all of them and say, well, that's why I'm a piece of shit. And that's why I don't do anything for myself or for other people. Um, I stick to something that was beat into me in training. And I love this process. And this is kind of a mantra. I know we did mantras, I think, what, episode two or three. Um, but this is another thing that I've always thought of. And, and I heard about this. And it was this week's going to suck a particular week in training. So this week's going to suck and about 60 to 70% of you won't be here, but we're going to give you something to get through. So, you know, the hard's coming. It starts late on Sunday, goes into Monday, Monday. You can't quit because it's Monday and it's just the beginning, but it's still going to suck Tuesday. You can't quit because it's almost Wednesday, the middle of the week, Wednesday. You definitely can't quit because it's Wednesday. You made it to the middle. Thursday, well, you probably figured it out. You can't quit because it's almost Friday. And then Friday, you definitely aren't quitting because it's freaking Friday and it's the weekend. It's time to have fun. You have some beers and party with your friends. So, and then uh, recharge and get ready for the following Monday. Um, that is something that uh, me and my teammates have uh, really gathered around for the last 15 years and talk about being resilient and knowing the hard is coming and still choosing to look at things in a way that know that it's not going to last forever and we can move forward together and come out in a better way. I know a lot of people were talking about some of the, you know, the COVID things and a lot of stuff that's going on about social opinion. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be resilient in my decision, whether it's personal, uh, you know, whatever. And there's people that are worried about opinions, judgment, people are being ostracized about feeling one way or the other. And look, all of that can just go to the wind because I have so many examples where I could sit down and if I were to listen to people's opinions, their judgment, ostracize me about who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be, my decisions I've made, whatever, um, I would not be the man I am today. And I say that confidently, not cocky. I never want to come across that way because I've, I know what it's like to be at the bottom. Um, I go back to asking myself, why did I even start this? Where, where am I now? Why am I there? Can I control anything? And what is it that I can control? Usually just myself and my response. What adjustments need, need to be made? And then it sounds easy, but it's the hardest part is just keep trying and keep learning. And I literally find myself going through all that when I, when I find days that are hard to wake up, get on my feet, my back sore. Uh, I, I know I got to go out and work a 15, 16 hour day out in the cold water or the beach or whatever. And it sucks, man. And it's just, you know, everybody has those days again, like Melon said, where you wake up and you're a parent, you got to get your kids off to school and they fight you. And it could be little things uh, like, Hey, I got to go out and cut the grass or I got to clean the house or, you know, whatever. It's just that daily stuff and just go back and revisit all those things like why you're doing it, where you're at, what's the purpose, what's the end state, 
you know, how can you adjust, make it better, keep going, bring other people up around you, make the process easier. Um, that, that is just a daily, weekly life thing that I've really embodied. And, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm on my high horse, but like I said, I've been beaten to my knees and into the ground where I'm almost just completely quit. And I can look back on that now and be thankful for it because I know I've had to relearn everything from the bottom up to get where I'm at. And I'm not done, but getting back up feels good. Standing up feels good. Walking again feels good. Jogging again feels good. And then sprinting. And uh, that feels amazing. And uh, why wouldn't I want to be there? So anyways, I know that was a, that was a good chunk there, but uh, like I said, Mike's, Mike's letting out some, uh, some passion there. Right, there's some really uh, hearing you say those things, Mike. You know, it's a good reminder. Uh, even people, I mean, your challenges have been significant. You can't you can't uh, put it any other way. The things that you have gotten through, and you know that that is a real point for everyone. That you can you can sit there and look at these problems like they're bigger than you, looking forward. Or you can look back and you can see evidence in your past of that you've endured, that you've had victories in your past. You have risen from massive challenges in your own history, that you've come through trials before. And it's like a selection of attention, a direction of attention. We talk about it as aircrew, you know, looking at a particular instrument in the aircraft to get the information rather than a raster scan where there's too much to take in. If, you, if you're looking for evidence of failure or, or the scale of a challenge, you'll find it. But if you look for evidence of your own success, of your own uh, endurance and resilience in the past, you'll find that too because everyone has had hard cards dealt to them. And being able to look at those and sort of gather that evidence in like, you know, stacking up money in your own bank account, refreshing in your mind the things that you've come through sets you up in a way to address the next challenges in front of you. You touched on purpose and uh, meaning and having something big in the distance. And Jordan Peterson talks about setting your eyes on the star that's above the horizon that draws you forward, you know, that sense of navigating by the stars. And there's another part in there about the circle of influence, circle of concern stuff, just being able to look at the things that you can't actually control, that you can't impact and just letting go of them. A lot of the geopolitical stuff you can't impact. And what can you do? You can address the things in your in your world. You can reach out, as you said, Mike, and make a contribution to other people in those hard times. And sometimes just that getting the attention off yourself is is enough. You know, calling your mum and checking in on her, no doubt. She's having a hard time. She wants to know how you are. And what like so there are small things you can do, and a lot of it starts with the mentality and the decision to be tough and the decision that yes, I can deal with this challenge. And where you put your attention is ultimately what the experience feels like to you. And if you're just looking at the hard stuff and, you know, you can, anyone can despair, but if you look at victories in your past and uh, remind yourself of that stuff, then the experience feels totally different and it can happen in a moment. And I don't want to sound, you know, like Raf said, you know, there's, there's people that are like Usain Bolt and everything. It's just like, yeah, of course. Well, maybe some people might look at, you know, me being in special operations and be like, well, of course, that guy is supposed to be able to do that and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
I just want to share with everybody a year ago, I laid in a corner in a room for three days. I lost 15 pounds. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was extremely depressed. I had no direction. My whole life just fell apart around me and I had nowhere and nothing to do. And I was scared shitless um, that I was calling Raf and all of my best friends just to talk and just know that like somebody was out there. I felt like I was on an island and I didn't even know what to do. Um, so if you want to think of me as like, superhuman then you're absolutely wrong because that was me a year ago laying there uh with no hope and no direction with no no sense of resiliency i didn't even want to get off the floor i didn't even eat for three days uh and it wasn't for fasting it was because i completely lost my appetite all right so um i was i went through that and i'm able to work through those and develop and pull the framework out because of discussions like this with Raf and Mellon and some of our other best friends that hold our, each other up and accountable and fight back against the chaos and, and, and recognize, you know, it's really cool for me to have guys in my life that are older than me, or I'll say experienced to be respectful, <laughs> but I really mean it. They're like my recce team, you know, they're out there. They're like, Hey mate, you're going to get to this level and you're going to experience this. This is going to happen in this time of your life. You know, like one thing I haven't thought about is getting to the age where you start losing your grandparents and losing your parents. And, and, and it's just like, everybody's going to go through that. And it's just like, man, how am I going to deal with that? Well, these guys already kind of know um, some things and I listen, I just, I absorb it. I pay attention. I listen, I take it in and I'm saying, yeah, you know what? They've lived it. They've done it. They're, they're talking to me with empathy and they want to pull me out of this hole that I've got into. And I want to get out of this hole. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to live like this, you know? And it's things like that that really pull and become magnetizing and want to pull you up. And then once you see that little speck of light at the end of the tunnel in the darkness, it makes you hungry. It makes you want more. It drives you. It's just like, man, I want to keep climbing. I want more light. I want more energy. I want more. I want more. And then you see somebody climbing next to you that's in a shit place and you're like hey man you grab him by the arm and you're pulling him up like let's go let's go let's go let's get there you know and that becomes this endeavor of just figuring out how to get to the top and get out of there and just keep growing and you get this fire in you man it's it's such an amazing feeling but you just you just got to take one step you just got to do one percent better you got to one rung in the ladder whatever it is just take one effort to get to that point and just try, just try to get there. If you fall, get back up and try it again a different way. And you're going to get there because I did. And I'm nobody special. Trust me. And I can, I can absolutely verify what he's saying. He's nobody special. See, but, I, <laughs> but listen, I, uh, I, I think it's important to, I think this is a good time to just kind of say that, and this is a fact that everybody, listen, Mike is good at what Mike does, right? It's just, there's things that you do that, that you were designed for, whether through training or birth or genetics, whatever, man, there are things that you're really, really good at. And there's things that you're terrible at. And I've watched you be terrible. A lot of things, but the point is most of your struggles are probably going to come from the things that you're not good at. Right? right. So for me, my, one of my biggest struggles, my Achilles heel was my establishing a strong form of communication with my wife. And I, I've talked about it on this, on this podcast before. Listen, to me, that's always been important, but I just didn't know how to get around it. So it's interesting that when you look at somebody, you think, well, this guy or this lady has this title. So they must, they, they obviously have their life together. 
But that's the point, though. Everybody has a struggle. I mean, and I, I don't care if you're, you know, what's the dude from uh, uh, Virgin, uh, Vir- well, Virgin America used to be the uh, airline. Yeah, Richard yeah, that Branson. guy. I do. There's, listen, the guy's a, a millionaire, bazillionaire, has his own island out out in the uh, Bahamas or wherever he lives. Um, but I'll guarantee you that dude has his own set of stressors, right? Whatever it is, I, I just, you just, you never know. And so, I think people kind of get lost when they see these Instagram um, influencers or these people that they idolize, like, oh, well, look at so-and-so. They have their life together and I'll never get there. But you have no idea. Like, you know, like what's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing. I, I've been away from the pop culture for a while, but uh, what's the guy that uh, recently had, or not recently, but a couple of years ago had HIV. Um, he's a famous actor, kind of funny. He was on Two and a Half Men. Charlie oh, Sheen. Yeah, yeah, the the wizard, right? Yeah. So uh, any single bro would look at his life, be like, oh, he's got the ultimate life. He's out there just slaying whatever you want to you, whatever you want to call it. But this whole time he's been living with this hidden secret that he had HIV for like damn near a decade. I mean, think of think about that every day that dude's waking up and he's like, I have HIV. And that's, you know, as we know that for a long time, that was a fatal disease. I mean, you talk about a sense of mortality, but the, but the point I'm making is there, I'm sure there's a lot of people that looked at him going, oh, he's this famous A-list actor and he's got his life together and I would do anything to, to live his life. But you have no idea what that person is dealing with. You have zero. So don't ever look across the aisle and be like, my life sucks and so-and-so's life is so much better because they're, they have this title. You have no idea what they're dealing with. You don't know what news they just got. You don't know what you know, diagnosis they just got from their doctor. Mike, you want to say something? Yeah, there was a there was some pictures that I saw the other day. I think I think Melon, you definitely saw them, but it was just again looking at perspective about things, and and I really said it's okay to look forward and up and admire, uh, in a good way, but never forget to turn around and look down and re- and see what's behind you and where people are trying to come from, or maybe where you came from, you know. And there's that whole thing of like never forget where you came from, you know. Um, I think it's very important to, to, to turn around and look down and not in a, in a you know, in a, in a demeaning manner by, by any means, uh, but looking outside of your current spot and changing the perspective and, and putting someone, putting yourself in someone else's shoes or eyes, especially, um, you know, some of those pictures were, you know, little babies rolling around on a, on a blanket in a nice house. And then the other one is a vulture that's laying next to a baby that's naked and sickly and ready to, and it's waiting for the baby to die so it can eat it. I mean, I mean, that stuff is real people. (laughs) Like we live in a bubble in the Western hemisphere. Like we live in a bubble, real evil exists. Things are out there to bust you down. I mean, the struggles that we have when they're like first world problems. Yes, they are first world problems because probably majority of you that are listening have no problem going out and getting clean water getting ice for your glass, sleeping in a bed, having four walls, air conditioning when it's super hot, uh, going and get food at every street corner. I mean, really take inventory of that. And you want to talk about people who are really struggling and still surviving with resiliency? What do you think their purpose is? They're just trying to survive. They're just trying to live, uh, maybe to just be there for their children. You know, and we've the three of us has seen that firsthand um, atrocities with children and people and stuff they deal with, man. I mean, I admire them. 
I'm not even going to lie about it, man. These people in third world countries, I admire them for what they live in and wake up to every single day. But they continue on and they wake up the next day and do it again. Like, I give them respect. Yeah, that actually, that reminds you of a story. <laughs> and I think it's a perfect definition of resiliency and just um, always constantly moving forward and not succumbing to those, you know, to the uh, struggles that are you're surrounded in or that maybe you were thrusted into, whether it's birth or whatever. But I'll never forget this. I was flying out of Kandahar, multi-ship, you know, a couple of Blackhawks, and we're flying into the Helmand province. But in, only, in order to get into the Helmand, uh, fly, as you're flying southwest, as you're flying over a place called the Reg Desert, and it's just this massive ex expanse of just desert. Um, and I, I'll never forget, I mean, we at this point, we'd probably been flying at easily a good 40 minutes plus. And as far as you could see in every direction, there was nothing, no vegetation, no gas station, no 7-Eleven. There was literally nothing. And it, mind you, I'm in a flight of these, as far as these people are concerned that I'm about to fly over, I mean, I'm on a spaceship, right? I'm in a flight suit, a helmet, technology they, do, they can't even wrap their minds around. But I'll never forget just flying over and, uh, and it, we weren't doing an assault, we we're just moving people or something but i remember because it's broad daylight and we're as we're flying along you know a couple hundred feet off the deck i look down and i see um uh, we call them coochie tents but they're basically these makeshift tents that they would use any piece of cloth that they have and they just they stitch it together and there's an entire family out in the middle of, i mean i'm talking an hour in every direction there's nothing and these people are out there with their goat herds and um whatever whatever little possessions they had but, but they were squeaking by, they were making this, you know, there's, and I don't, you know, I don't know what their expectancy is, but I just remember thinking to myself, as I'm flying across at 140 knots, whatever ground speed that is, but I'm looking down and I'm in this sophisticated machine. I look down and I, and I, to this day, I still think about it. And I think, and I thought to myself, I'm so weak compared to those people down there. I mean, these people are living in one of the harshest environments in the middle of the battle zone and these makeshift tents. And it was a couple kids that were just covered in dirt. And uh, I didn't see any of the women. I just saw a man and uh, you know, a couple of what initially caught my attention was these wells that he had dug to get water for, for his family. And I just remember thinking to myself, I wouldn't last 30 minutes in those people's shoes. And I'm not talking about just the man. I'm talking about the woman, the children. Uh, anyways, I, I think about stuff like that. And I just think to myself, my problems are so small. Now, I, I'll, I take that with a grain of salt because I could wake up tomorrow and find out that I have cancer and, you know, that's going to put a time limit on how much time I get to spend with my family. And that would be, you know, that'd be pretty significant. But I'm just talking about just the basics, right? Just like what Mike alluded to, right? I have a beautiful home. I'm in a beautiful part of the world. Uh, I'm educated. You know, the world is my oyster, so to speak. I won the human lottery as a son of migrant parents, but you know, I like Mike, I've, I've physically been around people that literally fight to stay alive every day. And man, if that doesn't motivate you and if that doesn't encourage you, even just to hear that you don't have to be in that black Hawk, but I hope that you can envision what I'm telling you right now. And hopefully whatever struggle you're feeling, you, you sit there and say, you know what? I'm not in a coochie tent in the Reg desert <laughs> that Raf is flying over at 115 degree heat, you know, I'm, I'm an American citizen with where the world is my oyster and I can do, I can, I can turn it around tomorrow. So 
anyways, you just, you talking about that, Mike, just brought that vision that I remember looking down and just nodding my head and knowing that I'm nothing compared to them. I think there's a real, like, that's a great um, example, Raf. There's a thing we've talked about, and I think that word perspective is a real key. And the people that perhaps you compare your life to, that we naturally, we just, you fall into perspective or comparison, might be the people on Instagram. They might be the people on the lifestyles of the rich and shameless. And we look up and we compare what we don't have to those people rather than selecting your perspective and having some active like your consciousness and choosing who you're comparing yourself to with an awareness of the things that you already have, the little things that you have that you can be grateful for. And there's real power in that example, Raph. I had this, I've had the same thoughts flying around in the Indian Ocean and seeing a tiny little boat that's trying to get to Australia full of people and, and just thinking, you know, my God, if I was in your position, like I just couldn't even fathom what, what's going on in their life that they put their family on a boat at this size and try and cross that expanse of ocean. And you think, man, all my problems have just evaporated. But that sense of perspective, you can choose on where you apply it. And it doesn't have to be the one that naturally occurs, which is an envy-based comparison looking up. And it can be a gratitude-based comparison looking down. Another one that I just want to touch on what Mike said earlier that resonated with me was your circle is available to you. And if you invest in that circle when things are going well and you're, you're helping people out and you're communicating and you're letting people know what's going on in your life, you're building a reservoir of capability and resilience for yourself in your friends, in your family. And you can reach out to that in, in, your, in your hard times. And that investment that you've made and those connections you've built are there to help pull you up. There's a web of people around you who you're not all going to have the hardest day on, on the same occasion. And having those conversations and connecting with your people, with your circle, and making a difference in their life, letting them know, like Mike has just shared with us, his hard times, like he really is sharing real stuff here. It's not made up. This is not a book. You're investing in something that is going to give a return. You're going to help people out by giving them an access to you and your hard times and, and they then feel that they're not alone and that these other people around you are available to you when you've invested in those relationships and they, that the hand is there. And a lot of us have that difficulty in asking for help. And sometimes that's all you need to do is just share your hearts onto people. And naturally there's going to be a, an outflow from these other people who've all had hard times because no one gets through this thing unscarred as Raf says. Yeah, let it be an inspiring thing. If somebody tells one, you know, hey, you, Melon, I want you to go over and lift this thousand pound rock and push it up that hill now, right? Instantly, you know, you'd probably go over and be like, all right, I'm going to go over and try to push because I'm big as hell, you know, and you'll get there. But then you'll see, you'll see Melon pushing, you know, if I'm on the sideline, I see Melon going over and I know he's, he's got, it's way over his head. There's no way he can push this giant, boulder this task all the way up to there so immediately i'm gonna go back to thinking like okay put myself in melon shoes what's he going through and he's <laughs> here comes some resiliency right here right we're talking about going through i'm gonna get there and i'm gonna push right and hopefully hopefully somebody else watching my actions 
by joining Mellon in the in the adversity and going through it with him and trying to find a solution to get that rock to the top of that hill, other people are going to go, wow, look at these guys putting out. Look at these guys helping each other, being there for one another, you know, having purpose, you know, uniting. Like that's very, very powerful to see. And hopefully they're going to join and push too, you know, and that whole ripple effect is just amazing. And that's why we're so inspired when we see true courage. I think that word is really thrown around way too much now, but true courage and, and bravery and all that. I mean, those are true acts that do exist. And it's stuff like that that inspires other to really overcome extreme adversity. Well, I feel like that's probably a great place to, to wind up. So just some overall thoughts there was perspective, choose comparison, look for evidence of previous victories and trials, develop a sense of purpose, what you're doing this all for, and that's perhaps a, a future topic for another episode. Look and find other people who've had it far worse than you. Consider whether you're talking about a circle of concern or a circle of influencing. Make contributions to others. Build your circle and reach out and let people know when you're having a hard time. All right. Hopefully there's uh, been something in this conversation for, for you guys because we know that people are doing it tough out there. So, you know, I've said it before, probably this might be a good opportunity for you to, to reach out to your, to your network, let other people know perhaps that you're having a hard time or get in contact with people you haven't spoken to for a while who maybe are having a very hard time. And if you felt you've got some benefit from this episode or from previous episodes, perhaps share an episode into your network and uh, see if you can't make a difference. So from all of us, to all of you guys, Good luck. Face the day with an open heart and we'll see you next week.